Well, take your Bibles and open up to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And uh, if you don't have a Bible of your own, there's one in the, should be one in the pew in front of you. And uh, that's page uh, 1613 if you're in that Bible. And uh, we're going to be, this is where we're going to be for the whole month of December. Uh, and so we're going to just sit here in this chapter uh, for this month. Uh, with a focus on this idea that the light has come. And what does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, but before we jump into that, uh, I think it's appropriate that we just stop and pray. Um, one for uh, all those that were impacted by storms last night. Uh, Taylorville was one town that got hit really hard. And uh, there's quite a bit of damage in Lewiston and uh, some other places where these storms hit. So I think it's appropriate to pray for our surrounding communities and uh, for our brothers and sisters who are in those communities and uh, helping there. And uh, to pray as well for uh, continued efforts that are taking place in California. Even though uh, the news doesn't cover that stuff as much, it's still going on. There's still a lot happening there, a lot of uh, first responders that are still a part of searches and a lot of rebuilding that has yet to take place. And then lastly, just to pray for our text this morning, uh, because this is one of those passages that anytime we come to it and anytime we talk about uh, light and darkness and we talk about specifically the message of Christ, it's important we recognize that there is an enemy and he is real and we battle against that. And so uh, let's just pause for a moment and pray for these things and commit this time to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have allowed us to live in a place where we can meet freely. Where we can sit and open our Bibles without threat of what might happen if someone comes in who does not approve of that. Lord, as we uh, think about all that's going on around us today, in our culture, in this world, where it can often weigh on us, and yet uh, I pray that uh, today we would be reminded to fix our eyes on you, to have confidence in who you are and what you have established, and to be motivated to not hold back because of that. Lord, I thank specifically this morning of those impacted by these storms last night. I pray for uh, family members uh, who were injured, uh, Lord, people who uh, are uh, suffering the loss of uh, their possessions and things they have. Pray for comfort in this time. But Lord, most of all, I pray for the church, the local church in these areas, as they have the opportunity to come alongside their community in a unique way. Lord, equip them uh, with the resources needed and uh, the insights needed to care uh, for their communities well. And Lord, uh, that you would uh, bring people to the knowledge of you through even uh, disasters like these. Lord, we think of what's taking place in California after the uh, ravaging fires that have decimated so much. And those still working, Lord, to 
search and to help establish what is new, the new normal for this community, these communities affected by this. Lord, may your presence be known and may your power be known and may people turn to you. And this morning we recognize, Lord, our need for you. We recognize that uh, there is a darkness, but all the more there is light. And so I pray that you would teach us, uh, exhort us to walk in that today for your glory, honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's a funny thing about darkness. Many of us may even remember as children being scared of the dark. Uh, When I was thinking about this specifically, I was brought back to memory uh, one of my own experiences as a kid that has long been kind of a joke in my family. Uh, That was for the longest time uh, I was scared of the dark because I was convinced that Rafiki, the baboon from Lion King, lived under my bed in the dark. And I could have sworn to you that this was true. You could not dissuade me from this because I know vividly, I could still see that moment in my head when I looked under my bed and saw those giant beady eyes peeking out from underneath within the darkness. Now, we laugh about that because logically... It's silly. We know that's not the case. And yet, even for our young children, and maybe even in instances for us when it's unexpected, we're fearful of the darkness. When things get dark, it's unnerving. And maybe some of you have experienced that in your own adult life when uh, you've unexpectedly lost power. You've become accustomed to dwelling within lights and being able to walk into a room and simply flip a switch and light is present. And so when that's not there, it becomes unnerving. In fact, in the past, there's been studies done where they've put people in rooms where there is no light, there is nothing. And oftentimes it's accompanied by no sound and other aspects of sensory deprivation. But these people within 48 hours are completely hallucinating because the lack of being able to see, the lack of light, the lack of sensory impact is devastating. And so when we think about something like darkness or total darkness, it's normal for us to maybe step back and go, I just don't like the sound of that. And yet, as we read through Scripture, there is evidence, clear evidence, that 
we are in a consistent battle between light and darkness. And when we speak of that, we're not speaking simply of the physical aspect of that, but even more so the spiritual aspect that comes into play each and every day as part of the battle we face, especially as we seek to follow Christ. Now, to give us a little background or context to uh, the Gospel of John, uh, this is not the, the, the guy penning, writing out these words, is not John the Baptist. And that's a common confusion that many people have because John, believe it or not, was a pretty popular name during the era that the Bible was written. During the era of Jesus dwelling on earth. Rather, what we see here is that John specifically was one of Jesus' disciples. One who walked with Jesus... And we see this played out throughout his gospel as he emphasizes these things. In fact, in uh, John 21, verses 24 through 25, he says, This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things, speaking of the one who's writing these words, and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did, Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. I love that verse in 25. And so what we have here is an eyewitness account from a man who walked with Jesus, who's reiterating that which he saw, but at the same time recognizes that what he is writing doesn't even compare to everything that was done during Jesus' lifetime. Now, some of you might ask, well, how do you know that it was, in fact, this John that was a disciple of Jesus? And there's much speculation and debate about this. And yet, when you go to the Greek text and you start comparing the writing in the Gospel of John with the writing that's taking place in the book of Revelation, where John's name is mentioned as the writer, there is so many similarities that it's hard for us to develop a case that would say this is a different John than the one who walked faithfully with Jesus throughout the time of the disciples. Now, when he starts into this, he makes some pretty profound claims. In the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now this brings about the need for us to ask the question, what or who is the Word? In the Greek term, logos. What or who is this? Now many of us, when we're asked that question, especially if we've grown up in the church, our automatic response is, oh, it's Jesus! Because that's just what you're supposed to say, right? But it's important that we know why is this? Why why is that the answer? Not simply that, oh, this is just the answer. 
But in fact, if we continue reading, especially through the book of John, we start to see and understand that this, in fact, the word, the word in flesh that's being talked about in John chapter 1 is, in fact, the Christ, the Lamb of God. Now, where we see that shift first take place is in verse 2 of chapter 1, where it shifts from the word to he. It shifts to this personal pronoun. That not only was the word in the beginning, the word was with God, the word was God, he was in the beginning. All things were made through him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. You get the picture. Now that obviously shifts our focus now from simply being maybe if some people were go, the Word of God dwelt among us. Oh, are they talking about the Bible, the, the Word of God? But in fact, when we have this personal pronoun involved in this, and all of a sudden we see that this individual embodied the Word of God in the flesh. We see that the Logos was in the beginning, and he was... In the beginning over all things and that they were made through him. This continues in verse four. Within him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, ultimately, this trail is leading us to Christ. The word is he who was God and in the beginning with God. In him was life, the light was the light, the same light that John the Baptist, not John the disciple, John the Baptist came to bear witness about, so that all might believe through him. Look at verse 29 of chapter 1. It says, the next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water, so that he might be revealed to Israel. Now, if you look back at the beginning of chapter 1, In verse 6, we see that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to bear witness about what? The light. That all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now, this is really important for us because if we don't understand what the word is, we automatically don't understand why this is so important to us as followers of Christ. If Jesus does not embody what is being spoken about at the beginning of John's gospel, 
then it throws into confusion everything else that the writer has to say about Jesus through the rest of this time. This is the foundation. The foundation he is building to give credibility to who the Word is. Who is the light? Now, light is a thematic word in the Gospel of John. If you were to read through the Gospel of John, you would find this theme consistently throughout this Gospel. Light is a place of security and deliverance. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Light is also used as a figure for holiness, revelation, and truth. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Now, in all reality, I give you this blanket overview, but why should I? This is, this is the real question that we're asking today. Why should I place so much confidence in the light that John writes about in these opening verses? Why should I place confidence or any confidence at all in the light that John speaks of here. And that's what we're going to develop. We're going to develop upon that week after week, thinking about if the light has come and that's what we're celebrating this season, why should I care? Why should I care? The first thing I want to emphasize based on the first couple of verses is that this light is God. This light is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, if we're thinking about this in terms of what we just established, that the Word is ultimately referring to the Christ, the Lamb of God, Jesus, then what you have here right in the beginning of John is one of the most profound emphasis Dealing with the Trinity and the Godhead, which is so beyond our comprehension in our own human understanding. And yet is so present simply in these first couple of verses. And is emphasized elsewhere in Scripture. It starts with recognizing the incarnation of the Word, the Word becoming flesh. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes about this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, when he says... Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. And so the Apostle Paul emphasizes this, this is the mindset you're to have. The same mindset that caused Jesus, who was God in human flesh, to say, I'm not going to worry about my godness, my deity. I'm going to humble myself, becoming a servant. And I'm going to be obedient to glorify the Father, even to the point of death on a cross. 
And Paul's saying that's the mindset we're supposed to have as the church. And then, again, this emphasizes the pre-existence of the word. And that's a big word, but simply that's referring to that first verse in the beginning. We're not talking about in the beginning of mankind. We're talking about before the world was made. And one of the most profound passages of Scripture that emphasizes Christ's pre-existence with the Father before the creation of the world is John 17.5. And this is during Jesus' high priestly prayer before He is crucified. And right before this He says, Father, I have glorified You, I have obeyed, I have done what You have asked me to do. And then He says this, and now, Father... Glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Those are the words of Jesus himself. Now, why does this matter? If we're thinking about a light and we're dwelling amongst darkness, we're surrounded by darkness and I want to focus on one light... And I have the option between something over here and a light that is from God Himself. Which one are you going to choose? Why should I seek to find comfort or rest in this light that's being spoken about? Because one, this light is God Himself. But secondly, this light is life-giving. It is life-giving. Look at verse 3 of John chapter 1. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. 1 John chapter 1, not John chapter 1, but 1 John chapter 1, re-emphasizes this again. When it says, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it. This is coming from an eyewitness account. And proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. When was the last time you had an experience with something that genuinely gave life. Or maybe you're a part of something where you're in the business of saving life. And you have a first, a front row seat to this. And yet, when we stop and we consider 
our own finite humanity and we look at something like this and say, this light, this is life-giving. And we consider who God is and we consider that He's the one who ultimately controls all of this. And we have to ask the question, why do we choose to dwell in darkness when we've been shown the greatest light that could be shown? The Word of God. The Word present with God was God made flesh, dwelt among us. See, we hear that verse maybe so many times that we lose the awe factor that sets in those first couple of verses. You mean God came to dwell amongst us so that we might have life. Why would he do that? Why would he do that if no other reason than to emphasize to each one of us how valuable we are? And yet, we choose to dwell in darkness so much. And we fear the darkness, but yet we walk in it. And there's this tension that takes place where you have to ask, am I resting, am I relying on the light that comes from God, the light of Christ that has been shown, the reason we have to celebrate this month? It's because the light has come. In John chapter 8, Jesus spoke and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The third thing, reason we should consider and walk with confidence in the light that's talked about here, is that this light over Powers the darkness. This light overpowers the darkness. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Each one of us needs to hear this. At whatever phase of life you're in right now, you need to hear the words that if you are in Christ, darkness will not overpower you. No matter what you are encountering in your life right now, no matter what you are dealing with in your home, at your work, in your own personal life that is hidden from the surface of anyone else knowing. If you are in Christ, darkness will not overpower you. It does not say that it won't try. And many of us can attest to that in our own lives 
where the darkness threatens to take over and creep in. And the only leg up it gets on us is when we convince ourselves that the darkness has more power than the light does. And that's when we have to be reminded of this. That the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It'll keep trying. Our enemy is rampant. He's going to keep trying. But when we recognize where this light dwells, it should give us a boldness and a confidence to say, there is no darkness that could overcome this. And one of the things I've challenged people with to illustrate that point is walk into a room like this and open up a can of darkness and see see what happens. It's not going to do anything. Because the minute that that light hits the darkness, it's no longer dark. And the only time the darkness begins to take power over us is when we stop allowing the light to shine in. John chapter 12, verses 35 and 36 says, So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of the light. There's this rebirth that takes place. When we walk in the light, you and I become carriers of that light, sons of the light, so that other people who are living in darkness, who are dwelling in that, can be exposed to the light. Is that not the mission that we're called to? Now, some of you who've experienced intense darkness may struggle with this. There's an illustration that I read this last week that said someone might say, isn't the atom bomb more powerful than the men who created it? Can't the atom bomb destroy its maker? And the answer is that there is an infinite difference between, on the one hand, making a bomb out of materials that exist already and which are controlled by laws you did not write. And on the other hand, creating out of nothing the very materials of the universe and the laws that control them. If you can make something out of nothing, you can always turn that something into nothing. And therefore, the Creator always has the upper hand in this world. He will triumph. How many circumstances do we face on a regular basis where we have convinced ourselves that the darkness is more powerful than the light? That somehow my sin, my unworthiness, my brokenness, my humanity is enough darkness that the grace of God cannot penetrate. And maybe you're here today and that's that's what you have convinced yourself. 
You've heard this message of light and hope and grace over and over and over again. And yet, you're sitting there and you're saying, you just don't understand what I'm dealing with right now. And you're right, I don't. But I know the one who does. And that's where the light dwells. And maybe you need to hear this morning that if you feel as though you're dwelling in darkness, you are not dwelling in that area alone. And there are many who are sitting here today. I guarantee there are many here today who are walking through their own dark valleys and wondering, where is God in the midst of this? And that develops a need for each other. A need for unity amongst one another. To be able to remind each other of the light that exists that we can walk in boldly knowing that the darkness cannot and will not overcome it. But this often causes us to hide when we convince ourselves that whatever I'm dealing with is too much darkness. We hide just like Adam and Eve hid in the garden. We put on a face. We seek to disguise the darkness as light. I'm fine. I'm okay. We seek to convince everyone and possibly even God that I am somehow in no need to this life-giving light to empower me each and every day. Don't do that. Don't do that. God has given us the light of Christ who dwelt among us, who lived and walked a human life. You understand the depth, the treasure of that? Because not only is God saying, I made you so I know you, but His Son dwelt among men. He lived it. He lived it out. So that God is not simply sitting there saying, here is this written law book that you have to follow. He sent someone to live it out for us. To say, this is what this looks like. This is what it looks like to walk in the light. And this is what the abundant life looks like. That's why over and over again we say often, we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. We've got to keep doing that. So how do we apply this practically? The first one you might have already grasped, but I want to emphasize it even clearer. Don't buy into the lie that you must remain in darkness. Don't convince yourself that if you feel that you're dwelling in darkness, that's where you have to stay. Because God has given us clarity in how we walk in the light. So don't buy into the lie or anyone else that tells you or convinces you that this is just how it is. This is just how it has to stay. Recognize that you have a God who loves you so much He sent His Son to live the life He's called us to. And to be the only way that we can see and walk in the light of eternity. And stand righteous before God. There's only one way. That that light shines. 
Though darkness surrounds me, if I am rooted in him, I carry the torch of Jesus that cannot be squelched by any amount of darkness. Secondly, and this is where it goes into not just here, but application out there. Don't keep this light to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself. In Christ we understand that there is only one light that gives life. There is only one light that gives life. And as Jesus commanded in Matthew chapter 5, you are the salt and light of the earth. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and give glory to who? Your Father in heaven. When we think about this, maybe one of the most practical examples and reminders for us is that beloved children's song, This Little Light of Mine. And I'm going to prompt you with a line, and I want you to respond loudly and boldly before we pray. Hide it under a bushel? I think we can do better than that. Hide it under a bushel. The light has come. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Heavenly Father, may we recognize in the midst of this that we do not have to dwell in darkness. And though darkness surrounds us outside these walls and we encounter it often, may we recognize that you have given us the opportunity to walk in light Through Christ. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today who are suffering under a weight of darkness that is threatening to overcome. And I pray that they would hear all the more loudly the words of verse 5. That the darkness has not overcome this light that gives life. May we rest in that today. May we go out And not keep this to ourselves, but shine this light brightly in a community that so desperately needs it. In Jesus' name, amen.